0: Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 12. And we will read a few passages here in this chapter. Verse number 12, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain or if I command the locusts to devour the land or if I send pestilence among my people if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven will forgive their sin and will heal their land now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually one of the great prayer passages in the scripture it's directed and connected to Israel and that is the particular context however it is applicable because many times we get ourselves and we face situations in our life that are consequences of things that we have done And in order for God to respond to that, it takes prayer. And I want to speak for a few moments tonight on just the simple subject of prayer. Lord, we thank you and praise you tonight and worship you for your word. We thank you for it. We know that it is a strength to us. We ask that you would strengthen us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to take you to a museum. I want to take you to the National Gallery of Art in Washington D.C. and show you a painting by an individual named Johannes Vermeer. Painted this in 1664. 1664 and this painting is in the National Gallery of Art in Washington D.C. The title of this is Woman Holding a Balance. So there's quite a few things going on in this painting. She is psychologically distant from us, which means she's not engaging us in the painting. She's reflecting on what she's doing. She has in her hand, it is empty. It is a balance, it's scales, a balance of scales. Behind her is another painting Another prominent painting entitled The Last Judgment. And so there's a painting that's descriptive of something, an allegory of something behind her. And then there's a mirror that is in front of her. This is a particular type of painting that has to do with darkness and light. And so there's light coming through the window, and and that's what illuminates the picture, and the rest is kind of hidden in the shadows. And there's a box there, and you see some pearls, and you see some gold there. This is entitled, Woman Holding a Balance. And so all of these things are taking place in this painting. It's a, an, an allegorical scene that urges us. Now, what's interesting about paintings is there can be different interpretations of what is seen. The look on her face is somewhat serene. Um, she's not in any turmoil, but she's pondering and she's reflecting on the balance and the scales that she has in her hand as it compares to the items that are before her. So one important clue is Christ's last judgment that is behind her. And so she's looking at these earthly treasures And behind her are the eternal consequences of her actions here on earth. And in waiting for the balance to rest at equilibrium, she acknowledges the importance of judgment in weighing her own action in anticipation of the life to come. And how much is this the case in each and every one of our lives? We all hold the balance of the scale in our hands and we have to make a determination and eternal determination about what things matter and what things don't matter. And so in this case, she looks like she has accepted the fact that the eternal things are more important than worldly things. I don't want anything to come between me and God. I don't want there to be any obstruction. When I raise my hands, I wanna be able to raise my hands without anything that blocks or causes me to reflect upon my own self and my own pride. But I want to worship him because he's worthy of the very best that I could give to him. And he is, he's the savior of my soul. He is the horn of my salvation. And he's the strength of my life. And so I would like to see that painting in, in real life. We have a painting over here in the hallway it's Peter and John running to the tomb, and we've talked about uh, carrying that theme. It's very, very nice. It's it's got a nice, um, it's got a nice presentation that goes around it. It looks very, very substantial. So we've talked about in the hallway continuing that theme down the hallway. This would be uh, another good one. So I'm I'm going to start searching to see if I can find a knockoff of that particular painting, because uh, it's very, very impacting. Um, I'd like to see it in person, maybe one of these days. I'm not much of a museum person, but when you go some places, uh, Washington, D.C., there's so many museums there. You could spend weeks trying to get through all of it. The Smithsonian's are uh, amazing. But maybe one particular day at some point in time, I'll track this one down. And actually look at it in person. She's making a determination. And this is what prayer helps us do. Make proper determinations of what we're doing with our life. What direction we're going. What are our priorities. And prayer launches us into that communion with God. And so to pray is to change. And God transforms us through prayer. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of life very quickly. If, if you want to change, start praying. You don't want to change, don't pray. Because it brings us into this direction, into this focus in which we connect with God. The closer we become to the heartbeat of God, the more we see a need to conform to him. If I'm on the outskirts and my carnality is doing my thing, I'm probably not feeling a real close connection to God. But the more I pray and the more I conform to who He is and I recognize what He wants to do in my life, the more I recognize the power of prayer because it shapes me and forms me into what God wants me to be. It's not evasive measures. Recently, Sunday morning, Brother Nate preached a great message talking about evasive measures. In the garden, you see a communication and a communion with God that was a real thing. It was a real deal, and there was a real connection. But because of their sin, they incorporated evasive measures trying to get out of that connection with God. They hid themselves if you want to get closer to God, you can't hide yourself somewhere. You've got to bring yourself into the presence of God, and prayer does that. There are a lot of other things, worship and praise and all of that, but really, if you want to get to the nuts and bolts of what transform us, it is prayer. You've got to enter into prayer and say, God, I want you, to, conf- I want you to, to change me and transform who I am to conform to who you are. And prayer is an integral part of that. James chapter 4 and verse 3 said, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. You're asking for yourselves. You're asking for your own passions. We've got to approach God and we've got to ask him what is the right approach and what is the proper perspective. Many times we come to the house of God and we think the house of God is about me and our world, our world and the religious world thinks about how that the church can pertain to me. But I'm telling you, an early church didn't didn't form and didn't expand and didn't have an impact and influence on their world without prayer. It was prayer that was the engine and the driving force behind everything that they did. When they came upon circumstances and difficulties, they gathered together. The Bible says very early, they went into an upper room and the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost because they had an attitude that said, We don't know what else to do, so we're going to go pray. And when they prayed, God gave to them a boldness. And they came out of a prayer meeting with a boldness and an attitude that said, I understand and recognize what the real priorities are. I see now what the real values are. There is nothing like taking time in a day and saying, I'm going to set a divine appointment and I'm going to bring myself into the presence of God knowing that God is going to conform me to his purposes, not my own. Not my own, not my selfish will, but his will. Philippians chapter two and verse number five says it this way. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean work out your own doctrine and your own teaching, but that does mean let the mind of Christ be in you. And how is the mind of Christ going to get in you? It's going to get in you the same way Jesus had the Spirit of God In himself, he went and he prayed, as it were, great drops of blood, and he said, not my will, but thine be done. I want to live a life that's pleasing to God, that is powerful in prayer. You can be powerful in worship, and that's great, but it better be driven by being powerful in prayer. Because if it's not powerful in prayer, it loses its power in worship. There's a depth to what prayer is. I know this is not run the aisles, jump around, and do all of that, but we should when it comes to praying. And if we're not, we need to have a revival of prayer. The young people have decided, you know what, we're going to have a revival of prayer. I'm talking about real prayer. I'm talking about praying, and you don't care who hears and what it sounds like because you're entering into the presence of God, and it's not about everybody else. It's about his glory, and it's about his honor. Want to see things from God's point of view, is that our main business or is it a side note? Let's ask ourselves that tonight is the kingdom of God our main priority or is it a side note? You know, some people come around in churches just a side note. One particular author wrote and he said, There's different people in a church, and every church has the same demo, the same breakdown. He said, You got a core. And the core people are typically people that are doing 80% of the work. That's your core. And then outside the core, you have a congregation. The congregation are people that you're trying to get into the core. They're not there yet, but you're trying to pull them into committing to a responsibility in the kingdom of God to do the work of God. And then on the outside of that, you've got the crowd. They're the people that come on Sunday night because they love the anointing. But that's all they want. They want the anointing and they want the feeling because it's, it's really cool. That's exciting. But I don't really want to commit to anything. And so what a church is always trying to do is grab that person that's coming in the crowd and believe that at some point and some time, God's going to reach into their heart and pull them into the congregation. And then those that are in the congregation, God is going to pull them into the core of everything that we're doing. I'm telling you that all of us, we don't need to be spectators. We need to be participators. Participators in prayer. Mark chapter 1 and verse number 35, this was something very, very important to Jesus and his ministry. Verse 35, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and he departed into a solitary place. And what did he do? He prayed. He prayed. Psalm 63 and verse 1, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Early I'm seeking you. My soul is thirsting for you. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to set up an appointment, a divine appointment. Now, prayer is is probably good early because there's not as many distractions. And so when you get up and you start your day with prayer, you're not distracted by everything else. But in the case of some people, you can you can put prayer anywhere. I guess the real point is early might be the best time because you're not as distracted. But the fact uh, still remains that we need to put an appointment with God on the calendar. We put appointments for everything else. We've got stuff that we're doing every single day. And so living intentionally means uh, this is something I'm going to do. When? When are you going to do it? Where? Where are you going to do it? I'm going to be intentional about it. And so I'm going to take time out every single day to make a divine appointment to prayer. I guarantee you, you start praying, revival starts happening. Praise God. That got about four or five amens. But you start praying, things start breaking loose. I want to tell you something. Man, I, if, if 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 there's a worshiper in this church, it's me. I, I don't like standing I don't I I don't like the idea or the mentality that everybody else should worship and, and, and I should look and, and determine whether or not you're doing what you need to do. I'm not doing that because I'm too busy worshiping myself. I don't want to waste time looking to see what you're doing and and, and trying to critique you. I'm, I'm critiquing myself because God has done great things for me. And I'm thankful my family's in the church, and I'm thankful that this is the center of everything that we do. And I'm excited about this place, and so I'm worshiping God there. But I want you to know something. Worship and everything that we do. I'm thankful for the musicians and the singers, and we, we, are, we are blessed. We are so blessed. We, we, need to take a, we need to take a gavel to our head and say, thank God. You go travel some places, and you come home, and you'll have a greater, greater appreciation for what these people do on a weekly basis, taking time out to minister like they ministered tonight. We need to thank God for that. i 'm thankful for i 'm thankful for a ministry of preaching when people get up here and they preach and they inspire and they teach and they anchor us and, and they give to us the things that we need but all is built on something called prayer. It's the structure and the foundation in which the whole building is built upon. And if we're not a people that's praying and we're building all of this stuff, it's going to fall flat. But if you get something in your spirit and in your heart that says, you know what, I'm going to go deeper so that I can build higher, there's a revival that's going to take place. God's going to start doing stuff that you couldn't even imagine. Chains are going to be loosed. Walls are going to come down. People are going to start coming into this house that had no idea because somebody is praying. Let me get back to, you know, sometimes people say old-fashioned prayer, old-fashioned preaching. I, just, I want preaching. I want preaching and I want prayer. But I think what they're saying when they say old-fashioned Prayers because that was back in the days that they didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. And so the only thing you could do today was to pray. that somehow there was food on the table. There was a job you had some way to provide. And so you prayed out of necessity. We need to get back to praying in necessity. That's what we need to get back to praying. I, we can't do this without his anointing. And so I'm praying because it's a necessity. I can't play without the necessity of his anointing. I can't preach without the necessity of prayer that, that moves and motivates us forward. It's fascinating. We see this in the beginning in Acts chapter number six, because the disciples were multiplying the church was multiplying and there was infighting, the Grecians against the Hebrews, because the widows were being neglected in the daily ministration. And so the 12 called the multitude of the disciples together and they said, This is what they said Look, we're expanding and we're growing. It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Praise God. Now, you'll find me doing stuff all over this piece of property because I think I have some attention deficit disorder. I think that's part of my problem. And so when I'm sitting studying the word after a while, I got to get up and and go do something else. And so I enjoy doing little bits of things all over this property. But the disciples here said "We, we can't be serving tables. We should be, what should we be doing? We we should be appointed to prayer and the ministry of the word. And so they picked out seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Praise God. The pastor's not supposed to do all the menial jobs and tasks around the property. Well, the ministry's not what are they supposed to be doing? prayer and the ministry of the word. Praise God. Now, I just like to do it because it's fun. And, and some folks have to keep me away from things I don't know what I'm doing because then I make more of a problem and more of a mess. But their focus was, we, we can't be serving tables. Our primary job is not hospitality. Our primary job is prayer And the ministry of the word. And I want to make sure that in this church, the ministry of this church is focused on prayer and the ministry of the word. We should desire to pray with authority. And success. Acts chapter 4 verse 31. When they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. You need to pray with authority. Speak it in faith. And yet there is somewhat of a resistance that we encounter, and we feel it right at the outset of when we start praying. Why is that? Why is that? Well, there may be some different explanations for that, but history has something called deism that is in it that has definitely had an impact upon prayer and the scripture and the way people view it. Deism is the philosophy of religion that says that there is a natural world and that there is, there is a God with a little g that is the supreme architect or he has a plan for the universe, and, but he steps aside and he lets it run on its own. And so the existence of the world, there's no reliance on a revealed God, authority, books. And so these are called deists. Now, how does that impact us? Well, they came to prominence in the 17th century, 1621. Became prominent then in the 17th and 18th centuries during the age of enlightenment. Especially in Britain, France, Ireland, and in North America. And so there were people that did not believe in supernatural miracles. Um, Many of them didn't didn't even ascribe to many of the religious philosophies because they believed in one God, but they believed that God created the universe and then He stepped back and He left the universe to operate on its own. And so they believed that God existed. And that he gave humans the ability to reason. But they rejected all faith. They rejected the word of God. They rejected any kind of religious dogma. They rejected any report of miracles, prophecies, and religious mysteries. Many of the 17th and 18th century theologians referred to God using a variety of other names. Like some of these names you might have heard. The Supreme Being the divine watchmaker, the grand architect of the universe. Even in our United States Declaration of Independence, he is described as nature's God. Or Benjamin Franklin used the terminology father of lights in the meanings of the constitutional convention that started with prayers. So a lot of our founding fathers believed in God, but they were deists. They believe that God created a world. There was a God, but he stepped back. Everything is operating on its own. And now you use your reason and your intellect. And the age of enlightenment gives you the ability to advance. And and there were remarkable discoveries that caused some of this in the scientific revolution. The The work of Copernicus and Kepler and Galileo set aside a lot of the notions that people Maintained, And a lot of the church, the Catholic church, supported a lot of those things. So there was a wholesale rejection on, on some of this. And so rather than believing that I can pray authoritatively, then people started praying in a supplicative form. Uh, God, grant me. I want to be in your will because ultimately there's a supreme will. And so I want to be in that will. And, and appreciative prayers, thank you for, but not authoritative prayers. And so they believe that God was transcendent, big terms, but transcendent. He's above all things. He's created and he's above all things, but he's not a God that is imminent, which means he's not a God in the midst of people. He's a God that's outside that realm, but he's not walking in the midst of people. Well, I've come to tell you, That I found him in the midst of people. Praise God. He will walk with you in the midst of difficulties and circumstances. And I'll also tell you he's a God that still, still breaks into that natural order. And God still does miracles. And so when I'm praying, I'm not just praying, God, I want to do your will. And that's right and that's good. But I'm also praying with authority about some things. I'm praying with authority about things in my life. For healing, I'm praying authoritatively. For individuals in my family that I believe that God is is going to save, I'm going to rebuke the devourer and I'm going to pray authoritatively. Rather than acquiescing and backing up and tucking my head and believing that God's not working. Oh, yes, he's working. He is absolutely working. And he's still working. He's imminent. I don't understand some things about prayer. I don't understand how some people get healed, but not everybody gets healed. That's God's business. He's a sovereign God. And so if I don't get healed, then there must be something else in the mix that God's wanting to carry me through. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to speak. How would you like if you came up here and I prayed, God, if it's your will, heal sister so-and-so. If it's your will, touch her. No, no, no. We should approach things a little more aggressively. Aggressively. God, you're a God that's stated in your word, you're a miracle working God. And by the power that is resident in your name, let there be virtue that flows and healing that flows to this body and life. You're a miraculous working God and you're able to do above and beyond what we could even think or ask in Jesus name. Brother Bradford They came back The next service And they weren't healed So what happened To your prayer I'm still going To be praying The same prayer I'm going to keep stretching my faith out to believe that God is able to do above and beyond what I could think or ask. And if he doesn't do it after stretching it out as far as I can, then I'm going to shift gears and say, okay, in the midst of this, God, I know that you're going to walk through this thing with me. It may be a fire. It may be a desert. It may be in a lion's den. It may be in a lot of things, but I'm going to ultimately trust you. I'm not walking away from you. I'm not abandoning." you. I'm not getting confused about you because I know that you're a God that saves my soul you can heal my body, you can touch my mind praise God praise God, praise God praise God don't ever feel bad about stepping out of a pew when somebody says we're going to have a healing service well, I already did that. Nothing happened. You, you, you better keep coming. You better keep coming. You better keep coming. If, if anything else, just the attitude that says, devil, you can't read my mind, but you can read my actions. I'm stepping out. Last time I wasn't healed, but I believe God's still a healer. I believe he's still able. And so I'm still going to trust in him. Praise God! And if he doesn't bring healing to me, I'm still going to trust him and believe him. Praise God. The disciples longed to pray. Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he ceased, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us! And he said unto them, watch ye when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Did you know the Pope is trying to change that verse? Has anybody heard that? The Pope is trying to change that verse because he doesn't like the scripture saying God, Jesus saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because he says that Jesus won't lead anybody into temptation. And so he's trying to change that. Don't lead us into difficulties and troubles, but deliver us from those difficulties and troubles and that evil. How difficult is that to understand? You don't need to change that. It's actually pretty good. Lord, redirect my path. Don't lead me into areas of temptation, but direct my path so that I won't have to face some of those things. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to your word. Then he goes on to say in that same passage, which of you... Shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine and his journeys come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Does that sound like a prayer that is wimpy? Or does that sound like a prayer that is authoritative? If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him for a fish a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going I'm to seek God. I'm going to believe God. Obviously, they had prayed before this occasion, but being with Jesus opened their understanding to reaching for something more. If it be your will, we need to pray that because we need to be in the divine purposes of God. But we also need to pray authoritatively and command things, command this mountain to be moved. Jesus said to the lame man, walk. He said, be healed. He said, stand up. This is different than hoping or tentative prayer, but it was prayer that was powerful. There are times to seek the will of God. There's times to seek guidance. There's time to seek the kingdom of God. There's time to seek God's will in personal conflict. But there should also be a boldness of faith. Jesus prayed that prayer of the will of God when he said, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me, nevertheless not my will but thine be done. He was conforming himself to the will of God and the purposes of God. But there's also a boldness in faith that we should pray. We should seek the mind of Christ. Praise God. We should speak with authority and not mere acceptance or defeatism, which many times is our first approach. We come to God defeated. Come to God with authority. Praise God. We should merge our will into His will. We should pray. We should pray. We should never make it complicated. The more complicated we make prayer, the more we use it for self. Like a Pharisee that stands on the street corner and wants to be heard praying. It shouldn't be complicated. We should come to prayer as a child. As a child comes for daily bread or simple things, we should have the same attitude in prayer. You should pray with your imagination. Praise God. You should pray and and pray things as if they are. Look to your left and look to your right. Are there empty spaces in that pew? I've come down here and prayed in this sanctuary for another congregation that's not even here. Where are they? I don't know, but they're somewhere. In this city, they're somewhere. They're somewhere. They're walking out of food, Max, and they're looking across the street saying, you know what, we really need God in our lives. Well, hey, look, there's a church right there. Why don't we just start going to church right there? And see what God will do for us. That was Jamil and Jessica. That's exactly what happened. They were coming out of Food Max, looking across the way and saying, Well, there's a nice church right there. Jessica said, We need to go to church. And Jamil said, Well, is it a Pentecostal church? And they started coming to church. How does that happen? That happens because somebody's praying with an imagination that says, God, I don't know where they are. I don't even know how to reach them. But I'm praying that you would direct me, you would direct them, somehow link them up with me so that they're sitting on an empty pew somewhere and the Holy Ghost is operating in their life. Praise God. I don't know how Steve just shows up. I don't know. That happens? Well, actually, I do. It happens because people are praying. You need to flash pray. Right? They have these flash mobs. You've heard of that, right? All of a sudden, there's 300 people. It's a flash mob, and they're doing jumping jacks or something else. It's a weird phenomenon where everybody on social media all of a sudden said we're going to show up at this place and we're going to hoop and holler for 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 could be for no reason. We're just going to do it. A flash. We need a flash pray. Driving down the road, I'm just going to pray right here while I'm driving. Getting out of the car, walking into the sanctuary, I'm going to just pray. Step out of my house, walk out the front door, and say. God, you're good, and hope the neighbor across the street that's been partying all night hears me when he stumbles out with a hangover. (laughs) Pray without ceasing. Pray under your breath. Pray in your mind on the job. Be in a state of prayer and believe God is going to do great things. Take some time out and say, God, I want you to know today that you have been so good to me. I'm not even deserving to be in your house, deserving of your mercy, but I want you to know right now that you are great and greatly to be praised. Praise God. Just pray for your food, but pray. Make a divine appointment. Prayer keeps us in a channel, it it focuses us. We can be used mightily, but not when the banks overflow. And prayer keeps us in that channel of being focused and being sensitive to God. Banks overflow when we get too full of ourselves. And all of a sudden we start running into conflicts with other people because it's about me and it's not about the kingdom of God. But prayer says, wait a minute, this is the way you go and this is what you do and it centers you. And you approach it in humbleness and God all of a sudden starts taking all those consequences. And that first passage of scripture that we talked about, he said, when I send the pestilence. When I sin the famine, when there is no rain, what was he saying? He was saying, I'm trying to reach out and pull my people back in because they've left the covenant that we have made. and now they're paying the consequences. and in order to try to get them back, there are consequences in their life that I'm trying to I'm trying to pull them back into a relationship with me. And so the only way that that happens is if my people will pray and humble themselves, And this gets them back in the channel of where they're supposed to be. And now all of a sudden we start operating as the children of God and the people of God. And the promised land all of a sudden doesn't look too difficult. There's not giants and Philistines and everything else because God is operating and he's moving. This is what we need, a flowing of the presence and the flowing of the spirit of God that operates as a channel. And the way that happens is through prayer. Praise God, prayer. And so we need to make that a priority. We need to make prayer a priority. I would challenge you to make an appointment. You can come to the sanctuary. We haven't got the prayer gate in. People have given monies, and we're working on that. Brother Condren's working on that. We're trying to get that established. Uh, but the gates open at 6, and they close when it gets dark. And there is, a, there is a code out there. You can punch it in, and you can come in without a key. And there's music that is playing 24-7. And you can make an appointment in the sanctuary. Praise God and you can pray. I would challenge you to do that. Not everybody can do that, but there's something about coming to the house of God. And there's something about walking in the sanctuary and praying in the sanctuary. Make appointment. That code out there, does anybody know that code? If you know the code, raise your hand. All right. If you don't know the code, raise your hand. All right. You ready for the code? All right. It's really, really difficult. It's tough to remember. Zero, two, three, eight. That's it. I wonder why they picked that. Praise God. Take some time to be in the sanctuary. If you can, I've started coming in here. I know some others have. When that prayer gate gets in here, we'll have you come in here anytime. It could be the middle of the night. It could be midnight. It could be 1 o'clock. Commit yourself to prayer. Praise God. Make an appointment to pray as we stand together in the house of God tonight. It is the foundation of everything. Every ministry in the church is directly connected to the power of prayer. Praise God. Help us to be a people of prayer. Lord, we thank you and praise you and worship you. And we ask that you would direct us tonight to pray for the will of God in our lives, but also to pray for the authority of of God in our lives. I want to pray for bold things, passionate things. I want to pray for the kingdom of God to operate in my life and direct who I am and what I am. We thank you and praise you, and we ask that you would bless this property that you would keep your hand upon this piece of property. Praise God that you would make this a place and an opportunity to feel your presence and your anointing. We ask these things in your great name. In Jesus' name we pray. This week, take some time out. Make an appointment. Put it on your calendar.